Welcome to the Well Church Daily, where we take a few minutes each day to read a psalm, discuss its application to our lives, and pray over it as a way to anchor ourselves in the reality of God and His Word in a season of uncertainty. My name is Stephen Myers, and I'm one of the pastors at the Well Church here in Mustang, Oklahoma. And today I am recording this from my minivan in my garage because I've got two little kids running around in the house, and that's not the best space to record something unless you wanted to hear screaming and laughing and you know typical kid noises. So I'm here in the garage from my Volkswagen minivan. I'm just living the dream in the time of the quarantine. So uh, today we're jumping in to Psalm 7. We're going to look at Psalm chapter 7. So I'm going to jump in and read this thing. Let's do it. O Lord my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me. Lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rending it in pieces with none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friends with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it, and let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Selah. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me, you have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the people be gathered about you. Over it return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. O let the evil of the wicked come to an end and may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and hearts. O righteous God, my shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. God is a righteous judge and a God who feels indignation every day. If a man does not repent, God will wet his sword. He has bent and readied his bow. He has prepared for him his deadly weapons, making his arrows fiery shafts. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil and is pregnant with mischief and gives birth to lies. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole. He makes a pit, digging it out, and falls into the hole that he has made. His mischief returns upon his own head, and on his own skull his violence descends. I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. Well, I want to use this psalm to show us how the psalms, and really much of the Old Testament, is doing a couple of things simultaneously. It is both calling us to a virtuous life and pointing us to Jesus. Those, those are the things, uh, uh, along with many other things, but, but today I just wanted to point out how it's simultaneously calling us to a virtuous life and pointing us to Jesus. So um, in this psalm, David says things like he does in verses three through five, where he says, uh, he says, O Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there's any wrong in my hands, if I repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy with cause, and he, he says, pursue my soul, take it over, trample my life to the ground, lay my glory in the dust. He's opening himself up to the Lord to be tested and examined because he wants to prove that he is walking in integrity. He's saying, God, I haven't done this. There is no wrong in my hands. I haven't repaid my friend with evil, so on and so forth. And if I have, make me lower than the dust. And he's also asking God to judge him according to his righteousness and according to his integrity. And he is also obviously making a distinction between the righteous, those who who take refuge in God, those, those are the righteous people. And he's also, he's making distinction between the righteous and the wicked and those who are evil, who rebel against God. 
Now, all this to say, this should stir in us a desire to walk in righteousness and to be people of integrity. We should want to be distinct, as the people of God want to be distinct from evil and wicked doers. So sometimes you hear people rail against behavior modification as an enemy of the gospel. And and, and in a very serious sense, it's true. If we're only focusing on externals instead of the heart, then transformation and Christ-likeness won't happen. Instead, it'll just be some sort of fixed behavior that's pretty short-lived because we can't change ourselves in our own power. Instead, if if we go that way, the externalist route, we can become legalistic, fraudulent, and really what Jesus refers to as whitewashed tombs. We might look good on the outside, but the inside is rotten. And this is not the type of life Jesus calls us to. However, if we understand the Gospels rightly as the power of God for salvation, and salvation here not just being a get-out-of-hell-free card, but the redemption of God in our lives that by grace and the power of the Spirit makes us more like Jesus, then as our inner being is formed to be more like Jesus, what begins to come out, our behaviors, our actions, our lifestyle, will change to be more like Christ as well. So the point is that as believers, we should pay attention to how the Bible calls us to live lives of virtue, to walk in righteousness, to be people of integrity, distinct from evil and wickedness. And in that sense, David is a type of example for us to follow, to live upright lives before the Lord. Now, at the very same time, this psalm points us to Jesus because apart from the saving work of Christ, we have no righteousness. This psalm, like many others, should give us a sense of our sinfulness and our deep need for grace. So so I just want to hone in on verse 8 as a way for us to read this in a Christ-centered way. It says, The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. Now, the only person who could be judged as perfectly righteous is Jesus. In fact, Paul in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, quoting David in Psalm 14, actually says, None is righteous. No, not one. There is no person on earth now who has ever existed or who will exist in the future who on their own merits is completely righteous. There's no one who fits that except Jesus. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus is righteous. The only reason his death matters for us is because he, he lived a perfectly righteous life. He is completely and perfectly righteous. And at his death, Christ imputes his righteousness to us so that we can say with confidence, judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness. That is, according to the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to me through faith by grace. It's the work of the Spirit. And so, Here is the difference between the righteous and the wicked. Verse 12 maps it out for us. Verse 12 shows us that the difference is repentance. All of us are wicked because of sin. But those who repent, those who take refuge in God, are made righteous. And repentance is a gift from God. God did not have to allow sinners the opportunity to repent and be saved, but in his steadfast love and his unending grace, he grants repentance. And it's his kindness 
that leads us to repentance. And because of this kindness, we can say with David in verse 17, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord, the Most High. So in this season of uncertainty, in the season of anxiety, we can know this for sure. And we can anchor ourselves in the good news that Jesus is righteous. And through his death on the cross and his glorious resurrection, for those who by faith and through faith by grace take refuge in Jesus, we too will be judged, judged according to our righteousness, meaning we too will be seen by God, not according to our sinfulness, not according to our wickedness, but God will see us the way that he sees his son, Jesus. And that, my friends, is reason to rejoice and worship the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the truth that you are our righteousness that you have given us Christ Jesus and you have imputed his righteousness to our account so that we may have the righteousness of Christ. We thank you that you do not expect us on our own merits to be good enough, but instead you give us Christ. And so Lord, would you lead us from the ways of the wicked? Would you lead us away from the ways of evil? Would you teach us every day, every moment to take refuge in you? And would you lead us into a lifestyle of repentance? That repentance wouldn't just be a one-time thing for your people, but would be a way of life. That we would be constantly repenting from our old way so that we could be more like Christ. And that, that in that, you would lead us into virtuous living. where We would be righteous. We would live upright lives of integrity before you. So Lord, we thank you for your grace. And we rejoice in you. It's in Christ's name.